What's up, guys? This is PC, and this is your backstage pass to the Green Room Podcast Series. What's up, guys? Hey, you're listening to the Green Room Podcast Series. We're here today with Mark Brown. Mark is an assistant principal at Newburgh High School in Oregon. And Mark, just real quick, just let you introduce yourself, talk about what you do currently and how you got to this point in your educational career. Hey, what's up, PC? Thanks for having me on. Uh, It's a privilege to get to hang out with you and and talk with you here on the Green Room podcast. Um, So yeah, I'm an assistant principal here uh, in my second year as an assistant principal. And I tell everyone, I think I have the absolute best assistant principal job uh, in the w- role in the world because my, my primary focus is climate and culture. Um, and I got to spend almost 100% of my time. There's a lot of other things that, you know, other duties as assigned, other things I help with and, and oversee. But my primary focus is climate and culture, uh, which is just an absolute dream job. So super blessed in what I get to do there. Uh, before that, I was the activities director uh, here at Newburgh High School and before that, a health teacher. So my entire teaching career has been uh, here at Newburgh High School, been here a total now of nine years with teaching and coaching. Um, and, you know, it, it, it truly is to me, teaching is so much more than just a job. It's about finding that place that you can call home and really set down roots and really get into the community and become a part of the community more than even just the school community, but the, the, the larger, greater uh, community of the town or city that you're in. And so, you know, my wife and I were both educators here. Um, she grew up here. She's a third generation grad from Newburgh High School. So that's what that's what brought us to this area. Um, but uh, if you've not, I'll just say this kind of a shout out for Newburgh. If you've never been to, to Oregon, you got to come by Newburgh because we are in the heart of wine country. We're halfway between Portland and the coast. Um, and it truly is like one of the most beautiful places on earth. Um, so if you're ever out this way, hit me up and we'll uh, we'll go hang out. Uh, so yeah, before before that, I worked as a challenge course facilitator and manager, uh, ran a challenge course, uh, and then uh, along the way, uh, I've also been really big into coaching and coaching boys basketball, and uh, actually just wrapped up our season uh, with a, a first round loss in the the state playoffs this past week. So, oh man, yeah, that's that's what that's what keeps me busy. Well, at least you guys got to finish off that tournament. I know there's been some tournaments. Um here in Tennessee, back home for me, that the state tournament got canceled. And it's just like, man, you know, it's, it's just crazy. So congratulations on, sounds like a pretty productive year for you, huh? Oh, it was. We had a great year. And I think the funnest part about this past season is we we overachieved. We we over uh, exceeded anyone's expectations of, of who we were. We were picked preseason to finish fifth in our conference, and we ended up finishing second. I uh, had five of my guys get all league recognition, uh, made it to the state playoffs, uh, the state tournament. So, yeah, I just I had an amazing group of young men who who worked hard and fought hard. Let me coach them hard. Uh, and we just we had a, a super, super successful year. That's awesome, man. And so talk about you said you're an assistant principal and you're also the head boys basketball coach. And I know in a lot of places you can't do both. You have to give up coaching to get into administration. What are the challenges that you found that go with being an assistant principal as well as being that full time head boys basketball coach? 
Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a challenge. It's not easy, um, and it's definitely not the norm even out here. It's it's kind of the there's there's a lot of kind of an I guess there's probably an unwritten rule if you will. Like once you move into administration, you're not you don't coach anymore. Um, and, and I think a lot of uh, you know I'll just say this. I think a lot of the best administrators were previous coaches um, because they understand that coaching aspect and that dynamic. And I think a lot of a lot of us learn uh, a lot of our leadership skills through coaching. Yep. Um, so we have a lot of, a lot of admin who go from coaching into administration and they step out of coaching. My situation was a little bit unique. Uh, I got recruited into this administrative position because we were at the very end of a school year and our principal announced he was leaving to go be an assistant superintendent in another district. And it was really late in the game, like late May. And so our, and we had an interim superintendent at the time. So he appointed one of our uh, current assistant principals to be the interim principal for the following year. And so they asked me then to step into uh, interim assistant principal job. And so I kind of came back at them and I said, well, I'd love to do that. I'm not going to give up coaching. So we kind of negotiated back and forth uh, and I was able to kind of talk my way into doing both, uh, but I, I've made it work. So they, they've supported me and, and done a, they have been a great support to me and uh, allowed me to keep doing it. Um, but it's definitely challenging, you know, and there's times at which I feel that I don't do either job as well as I should be doing. Because when I do something, I, I'm all in on it. And yep. I want to give my best effort. And I believe if you're going to do something, you know, doesn't mean you're going to do it perfect. Doesn't mean you're going to get everything right. But you've got to give your absolute best effort. Um, and so there's definitely that struggle where sometimes I don't feel like I can give all my attention to the admin role or I don't give all my attention to the basketball role. But what I found through that is I've got to surround myself with, with great people who can, I can uh, give, uh, you know, I can, I can delegate things to where I can, I can allow them to, to, to grow and take leadership on in different ways. And so like this past year, uh, I, I brought my JV coach up to be my full-time varsity assistant so that we could kind of share the load a little bit. And, you know, that was really good for me because I've always, I've always felt like as a leader, I need to wear it all on my shoulders. Yep. But it's been a great experience for me that, you know, the most successful leaders are the ones who bring other people into the fold and train and prepare others to then step up and take on leadership roles. So it's been really good for me and learning just as a leader, uh, more than even just as a coach, but just as a leader in general, like it's not my job. I've got to be responsible for everything, but part of that responsibility is finding the right people who can step up and who I can unleash them to do really, really good work in different areas. I love that, man. And it's, and it's spot on because it's so difficult sometimes to give up things to other people because, you know, if you want something done right, you got to, you know, you want it done a certain way, but you're exactly right. Yeah. That, that transformational leadership and allowing other people to grow and to blossom under your leadership. Absolutely love that. Talk about now as an assistant principal, I think we all have these um, ideas or these perceptions of what it's going to be like when you become an administrator. Has there been anything that maybe you thought it was going to be one way, but it's been just totally different now that you're in that chair as the assistant principal? Uh, it's definitely different than being a classroom teacher. Uh, and you hear that and you kind of expect it, but you definitely don't realize it or, or fully understand it until it happens. And you know, I had I had some withdrawals, uh, especially early on last year, in my first year doing it through the fall. Like, I really missed being in the classroom yep. with my kids and having my class. And, and that was, you know, you hear about administrators talk about that, you know, the, the withdrawals from not being, but man, it, it's a real thing. And it, it was hard for me at first, but um, I think what it ended up doing for me is it just forced me to get out of my office, office that much more. 
because that's where I that's where I need to be. That's where I want to be is out with the students, out with the rest of our staff. And so it's it's been good in that way that it's helped me not become you know an office administrator. I'm I'm I try to be out. I'm not in classrooms as much as I want to be. I think that's probably any administrator will say that we want to be out there way more. Um, but you know just as much as I can be out in the halls, out you know dropping in when I know a really cool product's going on. Um, and I think that's been the cool thing about it is it kind of gives you like, I mean, literally they do give you a key to the whole building, but I kind of have a, <laughs> a key that I can, I can, I can go wherever I want when I want, you know? And so if I know something really cool is happening down in one of our CTE classes, I get to go walk in, you know, and it's not a formal observation. I just, I, I can be there. I can yep. be exposed to all the amazing things. And that's been the most fulfilling part of this job is when you're a classroom teacher, like. I understood what was going on in my classroom or within my department, you know, but I didn't get out into the social studies or I didn't get down into our CTE area where we've got, you know, kids building amazing things and welding up these you know, from scratch, uh, just amazing projects. Um, or the fact that we have our own, you know, student ran machine shop, uh, Tiger Manufacturing on campus. I get to go down and see what our kids are doing, you know, to literally be uh, making, uh, connections and and contracts with local businesses to manufacture different parts for them uh and so I, I i now get to be exposed to all of that and so i have a much broader lens of everything yep. uh, that's going on in and throughout newburgh nation so that's been so rewarding and fulfilling that's big time man oh that, yeah that is so cool because like you said there's great things happening all over campus every single day and now to have that opportunity to be able to go in and out and to see all those things and then to share all those things that are happening on your campus, like it, it doesn't get much cooler than that, man. Yeah, and I think that's just it. It's really, you know, because I, I do help operate a lot of our social media, like that's then, you know, I, I get this from Darren Pepper, you know, be the author of your story, right? Yep. And so I've now, I now, I get to be exposed to this but it, it's encouraged me. Okay. Now I've got to, I've got to expose everyone to this. Everyone needs to know what's going on Yep. so that everyone knows the, the true and the full story of what's happening within our building. So it, it's been, it's been good in that way to, to encourage me to get better at sharing our story and being the author of our story through social media and other outlets. No doubt. How did you know that you wanted to be a teacher? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I get asked that question a lot and I think it was initially because I wanted to coach and, you know, I, I knew I wanted to get into coaching because athletics was a big part of my life uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but athletics was a big part of my life and I felt like I coaching is what I wanted to do. And so I quickly learned, well, if you want to coach the, the best way to get a coaching job is to also be uh, available to get a job within the building. Uh, and so I think that's why I initially got into it. But as I've, done a lot more reflecting and, and understanding about who I am or who I is, if you will. Yep. You know, I, I realized that I had a lot of teachers who made a big impact on my life, both in a good way and in not a not so good way. Yep. And so I think deep down I had a call and I had a, I felt a, a desire to, I, we educators have one of the most awesome uh, jobs in the world. We also have some of the most power of any other job in the world. And we have the opportunity and the power to impact students' lives in one of the most uh, amazing times of their life, the most uh, exciting times of their life where they're figuring out who they is. And so 
I wanted an opportunity to have that positive impact because of the positive impact I had from some educators, yep. but also because of some edu- educators who maybe uh, hurt me or, or didn't do a good job of embracing who I is or allowing me to be who I is. So I wanted to, to, to give students that have that impact on students. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, your hashtag that you use on social media that I just absolutely love is be who you is. Talk about that. Like, where, where did that idea come from? What does it mean? Like, tell our listeners about what that means to you. Yeah, so Be Who You Is comes from my favorite quote, which is, be who you is, because if you is who you ain't, you ain't who you is. Uh, and I'll say it one more time, because you got to write this down. Be who you is, because if you is who you ain't, you ain't who you is. Uh, and I, I heard that first from my college basketball coach. And disclaim, total disclaimer here, I did not play college basketball. When I say my college basketball coach, uh, I was a, a student assistant coach. He gave me an opportunity uh, to get into coaching as a student assistant coach uh, and work with his program. And, you know, he just really springboarded my, my coaching career uh, by extending me that opportunity. Um, but he, I, I heard him say that, and as soon as I heard it, I was just hooked. And I was like, yeah. That's it right there. Uh, Although it took me still about another 10 years uh, to really embrace it and start to embody it as, yeah, that's the way I want to live my life. But I remember hearing it and being like, yeah, that's, that's it. That's what I want my life to be about. But then if I really, when you really think about it, the the call to be who you is, and then the statement of I'm going to be who I is, it's hard. It is not easy and it sounds glamorous and it sounds like, yeah, that's awesome because we all want to be our best self. But um, I think there's a lot of a lot of challenge that comes with truly being who you is and, and being your best self and living life in a way that is that is unapologetic um, and that is not at all concerned with what others think about us or say about us. But it's truly in finding out how can I be my best self because I is who I is um, and then how do I use who I is to have a positive impact on the world around me. And for me, um, my journey, uh, I think the reason why it initially hit me so hard and caught my attention is that I spent my whole life trying to be who I ain't. Yep. And I spent my entire life all through elementary school, through middle school, through high school, through college, and even into my career as an educator, living my life seeking approval and seeking value from other people. And every decision I made was all about what are they going to think about this? Or are they going to see me as successful because I did this? And, you know, I, I climbed the, the education leadership ladder really fast. You know, I, I became a varsity head coach before I was 25 years old. Uh, I became an assistant principal and administrator at a big six at high school before I was 30 years old. And like, I worked really hard to climb that ladder and I did a lot of it for the wrong reason. I mm-hmm. did it because I wanted other people to see me and I wanted other people to be proud of me and to say, wow, look at Mark Brown, look what he's done. And, you know, I, I, I've lived a lot of my life trying to be who I ain't. Um, and my story goes deeper than that, uh, where uh, my story is rooted in uh, my struggle with anorexia. And the fact that I literally um, have struggled with the mental health uh, disorder of anorexia and, and I, changed, I changed my body. I, I, I neglected my health. I, I damaged my body in a lot of ways because I thought if I looked a certain way, if people saw me physically in a certain way, if I fit this mold, um, that I would be accepted and that I would be 
considered someone who, who, who people looked up to or, you know, I, I wouldn't be made fun of anymore. And so I lived my whole life and, and through my anorexia trying to be who I ain't. And really over the past year or so, I, I've done a lot of reflection. I've done a lot of, uh, you know, working on myself finally to get to the point that my call for my life is I, I got to be who I is. Yep. And I've got to make sure that I use my story and I use my platform as an educational leader to help spread that message to my students and to other staff about our job is to help our students be who they is and find out who they is, which means first, we as educators have to figure out who we is and exactly. be bold and be proud and be confident in who we is. You said a lot right there. Like that's, yeah, you just knocked a grand slam right there, man. Let's talk about mental health. And I'm glad that that's something that you brought up there. I, I didn't know that about you personally. We grew up in an era where you didn't really talk about that stuff. And if you were facing something like that, I feel like it was almost, I don't know, frowned upon is the right way to look at it. But it was almost like, well, you were the exception. You were weird, um, almost an outcast. Whereas now today, mental health is at the forefront, especially in our world of education. But what I see a lot of is that our kids are really struggling with social, emotional learning, mental health. But then the adults in the building, because we were raised in that area where like, we're just going to sweep everything under the rug, a lot of times adults struggle with how do we address those needs of our young people? What kind of advice can you offer on that front? Yeah. Oh, man, it is. It is so real. Uh, and it's, it's such a, a big issue. Um, but I, I'm, I'm glad that it's finally at the forefront of what we're doing in education. I'm, I'm glad it's finally something that we are tackling, that we are talking about, that we are uh, creating opportunities and providing resources uh, to support our students as well as our staff. Um, but it's definitely a challenge. Uh, it's, it's not easy. I'm really proud of the work that, that we've done here at Newburgh High School. We've partnered with um, a local group from our county, and we actually have now an on-campus wellness center where within our own campus, we have a wellness center that's staffed by um, trained licensed therapists. We partner through uh, our local hospital uh, and, and through our county to make sure that we provide those resources for students because it's an everyday thing where students on the daily are, are coming to us with need. Uh, and, you know, I think we kind of got overwhelmed with it at first. Like, what do we do? We didn't know what to do. And so my advice is, what we learned through our situation was we as educators, we are not the experts in mental health. Yep. And so we don't have to, we don't have to become the experts, but we do have a responsibility to bring in the experts. And so my, my big thing for, for schools is partner with your local hospitals, partner with your local counties and your communities and bring people in. I think a lot of the time as educators, we, we try to do it all. Um, and, you know, we figure we, we kind of have this mindset of once we get the kids within our school, um, you know, they're our responsibility and we're going to do everything that they need, but we can't. And, and there are so many unique needs and so many challenges that we face, you know, with, with lack of funding or just lack of, lack of knowledge, lack of preparation. You know, yep. I didn't go to school to be a mental health counselor, so that's not my role. But my job as a leader in this building is to find those resources, bring those resources in, break down those barriers so that the needs of my students and the needs of my staff can be met. Um, and so my advice is don't try to figure it out on your own. Bring in experts. Do this together. You know, create a co-op. Create some sort of relationship connection 
with the, the people in your community who are ready, who are able, and, and really who we found who are willing and, and excited to come in and help partner with us. Um, but, you know, I, I think the big thing is we, we can't avoid it. Yep. I think just like you mentioned, a lot, a lot of the times it's kind of like the, the taboo topic. Uh, and, you know, I think I experienced a lot of that myself uh, as I'm starting to share my story more and, and connect with people is I'm a dude with anorexia. Yeah. Like that's not supposed to happen. Right. That's not, that's not the norm that, that a lot of people have, you know, if you could see me right now, I'm holding up my, my fingers with the quotations, like yeah. that's the, that's the female, that's the female disease. Um, you know, but what I've learned through, through my, my story and my struggle and my, you know, working through things uh, is mental health does not discriminate. Mental health does not pick and choose, oh, I'm going to pick on males or I'm going to pick on females or I'm going to pick on, you know, people of Latinx who are Latinx or I'm going to pick on, you know, this demographic. It does not discriminate. Mental health, everyone's impacted by it, whether you specifically are dealing with it or fighting through it or you are connected to someone who is. And so now you have an opportunity to maybe be a resource or be a sense of strength and hope for someone. It is so rampant and so many people are fighting with it. We cannot ignore it. We've got to speak up for it. We've got to advocate for resources. Yep. Uh, but more than anything, we just need to love people. Yep. We need to love and accept people where they are at and as who they is. Yep. Um, it, it's kind of where I'm at in my, my story with it. And so when you bring in these people and from your community to help out these professionals with these different topics, do you guys have like an advisory period that you work in for those people to speak or how, how does that look on your campus? Uh, that's a great question. We are actually working through right now, possibly adjusting our bell schedule. We got rid of advisory uh, about four years ago. And personally, I, I just, I hate that. I, we got, I love advisory. I loved it when I was a teacher and had advisory, you know, cause it's such a great opportunity for, some of that non-academic learning that we need to do yep. uh, as a school and to create that, that safe place, that, that home base, if you will, for our students and our staff. Um, but what we do is it's, it's, it's actually staffed. Our wellness center is staffed full time. Um, and we work them into our health classes. Actually, today they were supposed to be in our health classes presenting, but then with uh, all the craziness going on uh, around the coronavirus that got, uh, we had to put that on hold. Um, but we push them in the classroom as much as we can. They work really closely with our counseling department uh, and, and try to be in lockstep with them. So as there's, if there's a crisis, um, they're there, they're all hands on deck, ready to go. If it's just, this kid needs a safe place to be for 10, 15 minutes, just needs to talk to someone, just needs to come down and get a snack, uh, you know, to kind of get their mind off of whatever's uh, bothering them right now. Um, we have a really good connection where it's kind of an open door uh, and we try to make sure that kids understand it's not a place just to get out of class and come hang out, but um, also try to do it without, have it be open without judgment of, we don't need to know exactly why you're here right now. We just need to know that this is a safe place. So we're working through it. it I mean, it has its challenges and, and like the, luckily our health professionals have been really good about saying, Hey, we just like you don't do mental health, we don't do school. So we've had to do a lot of collaboration to figure out, okay, how do we, keep school going, but make sure that more than anything, the needs of our students are met. So yep. uh, really just try to have kind of an open door policy, make sure there's always an adult there, uh, but then always keep the communication open back with the school personnel to make sure we are aware of the situation and what do we need to do then on the academic side 
to gotcha. that student. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. Let's talk about your personal energy and demeanor and outlook. What I love the most about you, and it took me like no time to figure this out. You're always positive. You're always upbeat. You're always like looking on the bright <laughs> side of things uh, from social media. You know, you're, you post almost every single day something on social media. It's always a positive message. It's always like, what are we going to do to make our world and to make our school a better place? We both know that life isn't always perfect. Um, but but I'm a huge believer in your approach to life. I, I love your energy and I love your positivity. How do you maintain that on a day to day basis? Uh, it, it, I, I'd like to say it's easy, uh, but it's not because stuff happens. You know, I think yep. what's going on right now in the world is a perfect example of uh, you know with the coronavirus and the fact that you know we're going to be shut down starting on Monday for the next couple of weeks as a whole state, and so. You know, it, it's really easy to let what's happening around you impact your mood and impact then how we react and respond and how we interact with others. A, a big thing that comes through in my coaching, um, and it actually kind of became a, a theme for my team this last this past season, is I, and I actually posted about it this morning, now that you bring it up, uh, is I only get to control, I believe, three things. I get to control my attitude, my effort, and then how I treat other people. And so often I let, uh, you know, it's easy for us as humans and for me individually, what happens around me, what other people do outside of my control, I tend to be reactive to that. And what I'm trying to help myself learn and then help my team learn this past season was I don't get to control what other people do. I get to control me. And so if I want my life to be the best that it possibly can be, I only need to give my energy and my focus into those things that I can control. And so just, just that mindset is a good reminder for me. Um, but what really helps me daily uh, is social media. I'll be honest. And, and it's kind of funny because I fought social media for a long time. Yep. I was kind of, I, I'm in the millennial generation and I was like, I'll be the last millennial without any social media. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Right. Uh, but then I, I've got to actually give you credit and give you props. Uh, you and the JRNC and the Jocelyn's Renaissance family totally changed my life, not just as uh, an educator, uh, but as a person uh, and have really been a lot of the reason why I've started to dive deep into my own recovery, uh, into my own kind of resurgence as both an educator as well as an individual and really to embrace this call to be who I is because um, I went to your guys' tour stop, uh, and uh, it was, I think, two years ago. We were up at Mountainside High School. You and Mike Smith Live were there, and I'll never forget uh, the opening thing. You guys are up there, and then Mike Smith says, all right, I need all the teachers to come down here. And uh, I was like, okay, whatever. So there's like 2,000 students there, whatever, and they have all the teachers, adults come down right in front on the stage with him and with you guys, and they start playing music, and they're like, we're doing a dance-off. Yep. And if you know one thing about, you know, one thing about Mark Brown, Mark Brown does not dance. Like, <laughs> uh -uh. Not, not, like I danced at, I went to one high school dance in my entire, as a high schooler. I only went to one dance. It was my senior prom with my now wife. Um, she invited me. She's like, you're going. Okay, I'm going. Uh, and I did one dance. I did the slow dance with her. I did not dance at any other dances ever. Like Mark Brown does not dance. Yeah. So we get down there and we're just supposed to dance. And you know, when, PC and Mike Smith live are telling you to dance. Well, you kind of got to dance a little bit. <laughs> and then I'm looking up and I've got like my group of 30 students who are there with me. And at this point, every student, all 2000 students are on their feet and they all have their phone out. Yeah. Right. 
because they they want to capture this and they want it to go on social media. And I was I was pissed. I was so mad. Um, you know, because I was like, I don't do this. This is not me. Because again, at that point in my life, I wasn't confident to be who I is. I was. I knew I couldn't dance, so I was like, well, I don't want people to judge me because I can't dance. Yep. Anyway. I went through the rest of that day and I was still pissed and I was still upset about how in advance. But then I actually heard you say something about social media. Uh, and you were talking about why you use social media and how you use social media. And you said, you know, I, I feel like we as educators, we have an opportunity to disrupt their feed. That has stuck with me. The fact that so, you know, and now as an administrator, I realize so many of the issues and disciplinary things we deal with with students stems back to or is rooted in social media and inappropriate use. Yep. And this idea that you presented me with, of we have an opportunity to disrupt their feed, you know, as they're scrolling along, be that different type of post, that positive post. Yep. Uh, and, and since then, it's really, it, it, it's just, I've kind of made it my mission to, you know, I have an opportunity. Social media is where kids are at my goal is to connect with kids on their level, right? So I've got to be on social media if that's where they're at. I've got to find them at their level. I've got to know what they're doing. I've got to be in their world. But I want to be that feed disruptor. I want them to pay attention to what I post because it's different, because it's positive. Yep. Um, and so that's a big part of my daily inspiration, as well as then just the like the, the my uh, PLN and who I've connected with, you know, Bradley Skinner and uh, Darren Pepper and Paul Doles and, and just all these amazing educators who are such an inspiration to me, seeing what they post and seeing the work that they are doing. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, you know, that that's what feed every morning I eat my breakfast and I check my feed and I just get fired up for the day. Yeah. Um, because there's so, so many other awesome educators out there doing such great work that just inspire me to be better. I love that, man. And, and it's one of those things like you are what you eat. And, and that's true for all of us, you know, because there's so much negativity out there in the world, especially for our young people. And you're exactly right. If you can be a positive influence and all of a sudden catch their eye on, oh, my gosh, like that is pretty cool. That is something awesome about going to our school and, and those types of things, you know, and then surrounding yourself with those other people, because there's so many times in a schoolhouse, you can feel like you're the only one or you're a small group of people that get it and that are doing everything on your campus. And so to know that there's other educators out there that have that same mindset, that same mentality as you, I, I just think it's a powerful, powerful thing. Like it keeps me going too. I mean, that's your your answer is exactly right. Like we need each other to maintain that positivity, you know? Oh, absolutely. Talk about if I'm an educator and I'm open to moving anywhere in the country, maybe even beyond. I know we have some people that listen from Canada and I'm looking for a teaching job. Why should somebody come to Newburgh High School to be an educator? Uh, simple answer, because we have the absolute best students in the world. Um, you know, I am, I am daily amazed at not only the creativity uh, of our students, uh, but of uh, from the, the grit that our student our students show. We 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 are a unique community. We're we're a big six A high school. So we're the biggest uh, we're in the biggest classification in the state of Oregon, but we're still a one high school town. Uh, and so our students take a sense of pride in that. You know, there, there's something to be said for kind of that that old school feel of, yeah, we're a one high school town and the community support that comes with that but knowing that we get to be competing when we compete in different things at the, the biggest level and on the biggest stage with the other big time schools. 
in the state of Oregon. You know, our, our students really take pride in the fact that we are Newburgh, and we have the, uh, our rally cry is Newburgh Nation. Yep. And we are Newburgh Nation, uh, and and just that that rally cry, that unit, that unifying uh, idea that we are all in this together. Um, so we have the absolute best students, and we have amazing community support. I think going back to that idea of being a one high school town, we're really uh, expanding our CTE, our career pathway options for kids. That's yep. what we as an admin team have really pushed, uh, you know, swinging the pendulum back from this idea that all kids are going to college. Well, that's not it at all, and so we've got to provide opportunities. What are we doing to prepare those kids to go be welders, to go be, uh, work, uh, you know, uh, job, you know, an electrician as a plumber, uh, where there's a lot of high high demand jobs out there available, we just as a school haven't done a good job of preparing our students or put them in a position to be ready to go after those. So we're trying to change that. Um, and so we're big move in, in CTE, which has really grown our community partnerships. And again, being that one high school town, uh, if we need something, we've got to ask. Uh, yeah. We all we have to do is ask, and someone steps up. You know, same thing with the we we had a big need for mental health support. Our community stepped up, and we've got an on, on-site, on-campus wellness center. Um, you will not find another school uh, in, in the country, in the world, that has not only educators, but that has a community fired up for kids. I love uh, it. And, and ready to do whatever it takes. We, we have this, this sign uh, you can find on social media, but we've got a, a sign in our hall right by the men office. It's painted blue with big, our colors are blue and gold with big gold letters that says, uh, I'll do whatever it takes. And when you get hired here in Newburgh High School, first thing we do is we take you out and you sign that wall. Yes. And so you are literally putting your, your, your signature out in public for everyone to see that no matter the situation, no matter what happens, good or bad, we as a staff are going to do whatever it takes to give our students the best experience possible. That's powerful right there, man. And I had the opportunity to visit your school in the fall and to meet your kiddos in person and just super, super impressed. And at the very end, we did the Don't Stop Believing Sing Along. And then I gave my guitar to one of the young men on your campus. Share his story a little mm -hmm. bit because I think it's just a powerful, powerful story that needs to be heard. Yeah, so uh, we had a young man who uh, he uh, was adopted. Um, and, and he actually, his parents are amazing people within our community. I think they've adopted, uh, I think eight kids now total on top of their own three kids that they had, um, biologically. Um, but they, they, they've done a great job of, of adopting kids who are in need. And, uh, this young man ha has really struggled with the sense of abandonment, uh, that he felt, uh, from, uh, his, his birth parents. And, you know, he worked through that and there, there's been a lot of, uh, emotional struggles that, that he's dealt with through that and not really knowing uh, if, if he belonged. Uh, and his story comes in full circle in that he finally felt a sense of belonging through Newburgh High School uh, because of the connections and the relationships that he made. Um, and and it doesn't mean everything's been easy for him. He still has a lot of issues, a lot of struggles that he works through. Um, but just the fact that what finally got him to the point where he felt like he was accepted was he had some educators and some friends once he got here to Newburgh High School who really embraced him for who he is and with where he was at in life. And being a kid who, who was adopted, who was not on track to graduate early on in his high school career, he's actually going to graduate on time with his class 
uh, and has already been accepted into college, plans to go to college next year with possibly the opportunity to compete athletically uh, in college at the next level. Um, but just an amazing story of a young man who has overcame so much uh, in his life, uh, but he never let it be an excuse. Yep. He never let it be anything that kept him from moving forward. And uh, once he found the power of connection, he was able to then say, bring it on, face life head on, full speed. Uh, and he, he is going to graduate. Uh, and, and we are so proud of him and excited to see what the, what the future holds for him. He's going he's gonna to go make a name for himself uh, because he's that, he's that kind of kid. And that's why we do what we do, man. You know, when that kid walks across Absolutely. that stage, like that'll be one of the proudest moments of, of your career, you know, and like, it's just, it's one of those things you can't put that into words, you know? Yep. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, I already know now I'm going to be, I'm going to be balling, going to be crying. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it was hard for me that day. Like I've got tears in my eyes right now, just listening to you tell the story again. Cause I just remember the emotion of, of that moment when I was there that day. And just, uh, you know, again, that's, that's why we, we do what we do, buddy. So Mark, educators want to connect with you on social media. I know you're on Twitter. I know you're on Instagram. How can they find you on social media? Yeah. Uh, hit me up. Uh, my, uh, on my handle on both Twitter and Instagram is at Hey Mark Brown. It's Mark with a K, uh, but at Hey Mark Brown. Uh, hit me up. You know I, that's why I love social media is because I like learning. I like picking up from other educators. Uh, if there's anything I can do uh, to, to be a resource to you, don't hesitate to reach out. Don't hesitate to ask. I've actually uh, been going through a program with uh, my man Stantall Steve Steve Bowler. Um, helping to, to prep for hopefully uh, in this next school year launching out and doing some some speaking uh, myself as well as write, working on a book um, uh, to share my story and hopefully more than that not not to share my story for me but to share my story so that other people can be uh, can be inspired by it and it can be something that that they use to help them take back their life. So that, you know, my goal is that every every single person in this world finds a way to be who you is, um, because I, I think if we all embrace our best self and then extend that right and that opportunity to others to be who they is, um, I mean, I think the world would be just an amazing place and amazing things would happen. Um, and so if I can be of any encouragement to you to help you find out how to be who you is or to help your students find out be who they is, definitely hit me up hey Mark, at Haymark Brown. Dude, you're freaking awesome, man. Thank you so much for being on the show here today, dude. All right. Well, huge shout out to you again. I, I kind of touched on it, but uh, you you individually and what you do uh, with your work, you know, it, and the JRMC family literally has changed my life. Uh, and I would not be where I was at personally um, with where I'm at in my story. And I wouldn't be where I'm at as an educator if it wasn't for you uh, and, and for the other people I've been able to connect with. So I, I am forever indebted to you and thankful to you for for the impact you've made on my life thanks dude guys you've been listening to the green room podcast series thank you so much for tuning in if you enjoy the podcast if you do me a huge favor if you would rate it subscribe to it and then share it with a fellow educator that you think might enjoy it as well chase your dreams kids